0: Welcome to the modern reformation, yeah, the bar, biblical and reformed. Welcome everybody to the bar, it's your boy Dwayne in the building, right back in here another Tuesday. Super excited as always, be coming through your speakers, through your earbuds, wherever you listen to the bar, we're grateful that you are listening. And I love to start every show by thanking the listeners, thank you guys for listening to the bar tuning into the bar telling people about the bar podcast the bar podcast has been known or named the gateway drug to reform theology so if you're new to uh just this kind of uh talk and information uh welcome and uh, we promise it's going to be a good ride and like i do every week i bring you an awesome guest i can't introduce his guest without shouting out first my brother brian uh we had him on uh i don't know when this episode is going to drop but he's been on a couple weeks ago and uh, he shot me a message said I need to connect with this young man and uh, and have him on the show. And so when Brian tell me something, I take it to heart and I reached out to my brother, Andrew. And today I have on other than my brother, Andrew. How you doing, man? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing great, bro. Doing great. So for those that don't know who you are, just kind of give a brief introduction, anything you want to share, personal, professional. You got the spot to do that right here.
1: Yeah, thanks. So my name is Andy Woodard, and I'm a pastor in New York City. I grew up in the Tampa area of Florida and uh, lived in South Carolina for five years, then moved to New York and pastored um, at a uh, small kind of food pantry church for a couple of years and while doing my MDiv through Southern Seminary. Then I moved uh, to Louisville, Kentucky to finish my MDiv in residence. And then some folks called me back to New York, so I moved back a second time. And started a church plant on the Lower East Side called New Covenant Church, and I pastored there for three years. And we went through a unfortunate church split during COVID, and then we restarted and named it Providence Baptist Church, and adopted the 1689 and said we're going the confessional route and not having things so like wild westy and <laughs> uh, undefined in our theology. And um, yeah, so PBC now has been in existence for a year and a couple months from August 2020 till now. We went from about 20 people to about 60 to 80 in the average Sunday. And um, I know Brian from, he works with Love Life. And we were, I was out at Planned Parenthood this morning with our team. And um, they were the ones who connected me with him because they were involved with Love Life before I even met them. And then this this group of people started attending our church uh, a couple years ago. So
0: awesome. Bro, you got so much I want to unpack in, 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 in like a short period of time. Um, so growing up in Florida, um, which I always tell people jokingly, you know, the Bible Belt, everybody's already saved, you know, in the South. So you don't have to you don't have to preach the gospel because everybody's saved. Um, so tell me about the transition uh, from, because I, I know we're going to jump over South Carolina. We're going to go back to South Carolina. But the transition <laughs> from the way you grew up uh, in Florida and, and, actually ministry in New York. Let's start there.
1: Uh, so in Florida, um, I'm a third gen pastor's kid. Um, I grew up in the church that my grandfather started. My nice. dad just retired after 35 years of pastoring that same church. Wow. Um, there, there definitely has been some unspoken expectation of me kind of continuing in that path at that church. Um, but I'm reformed (laughs) Mm -hmm. and my family is not. Mm. So we, we had to deal with a lot of those, uh, you know, cage stage issues and stuff about 15 years ago when I first, (laughs) I first got into Calvinism when I was 17. So that would have been, uh, 13 years ago. And, uh, so that, that just always made it clear. Like I don't really fit in the, in the independent Baptist world. Mm -hmm. And, um, so then, you know dipped my toes in the svc through southern seminary and uh now we're i don't know i think i think we're just gonna ride the the g3 train um,
0: (laughs) right we'll be
1: we'll be a g3 church um yeah so so anyway growing up yeah growing up as pastor's kid in a small church in rural central florida um you know everybody around you kind of has a base level of belief in Jesus, mm-hmm. generally speaking, uh, even if they couldn't tell you what the gospel was mm-hmm. or what it means that Christ died for our sins or the importance of the deity of Christ. I mean, they, they, they would give assent to all of those things. Right. And I'm not here to deny whether or not they believe those things, sure. but, um, it's just a very different world than, than here in New York, where in New York, people will openly admit that they're not Christians. Mm -hmm. And um, as a matter of fact, it's about about 95 percent of New Yorkers do not identify as as Christians. Wow. So New York is about five percent evangelical in the highest the way they count it during election season. um, New York is about five percent evangelical. And then of that, a much smaller subsection of them actually could tell you what the gospel is.
0: Wow. Wow, that's that's a, a big difference. And I figured that cuz I I'm friends with some some pastors up in that area and I know when it goes further north, um, you know, you you don't have that same feel or vibe like it is in the south as far as, you know, people associating with Christianity or, you know, like you said, claiming to be Christians, man. So, tell me about the 5 years in South Carolina. I'm I'm just curious, man, cuz I lived there for 13 yeah. years before I moved back to North Carolina. What part
1: yeah, so I don't I don't usually talk about it because Uh-oh. to the uh, to, to the Christians this part of my story is the, the legalistic part. Nice. And then to the non Christians, this is my my racist part. Ah, oh, here we go. Um, so so I went to a school in Greenville called Bob Jones University, <laughs> uh, which is famous for some lawsuit they had back in the day. Yep. Defending, they had a ban on interracial dating. Yep. Um, and so people associate like, okay, this is the white supremacist school. Yep. Now, wh- whether or not they were is kind of beyond me. But the story, the, the history of that policy is apparently there was like an Asian female student who dated like a black male student mm-hmm. and her parents didn't like it. Wow. So they sent some all these letters to the administration saying that the school should not allow interracial dating mm. and they caved into pressure rather than rather than leading culture, they followed culture. And, um, wow. So that policy stood for a few decades until the year 2000, I think. And then they lifted the policy now not to defend the indefensible, but here it goes. <laughs> um, as far as I know, interracial marriage wasn't legal in the state of South Carolina until 1991. Yep. So, so like what we think of as crazy, um yeah it was crazy but it was only like nine years behind the times Mm -hmm. Uh, but anyway so my time at bob jones i was there from 09 to 2014 oh wow Uh, it was it was really a a post racist era Mm -hmm. like the school was they were so bent on not being racist Mm -hmm. that just like everything was you know we had like we had the american spirituals ensemble come Mm -hmm. you know a big black choir yep. full of incredible singers come and we sang with them. We sang like lift every voice and sing and right. all these, all these things. Um, and yeah, just overall I had a, I had a really good time yeah. at Bob Jones. Okay. Um, so I was, no, I was really going
0: edu- to say uh, yeah. I was in that area at that same time. Um, my oh, wife uh, was living in Greenville, South Carolina and I moved when we got married, I uh, moved to Greenville so I'm very familiar with Bob Jones, very familiar with the culture, um, never heard the story. Uh, so that's that's really dope that you cleared that up, because I've had a lot of people on this show from the <laughs> area that, you know, kind of kind of rode the stigma. So that that's really cool, yeah. man. Um, so let's let's fast forward, uh, you know up to the, I guess the original, I I think you mentioned, uh, pastoring and then not pastoring in New York and then going back kind of walk us through that. Um, just Yeah. What was going on there? When I first, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I
1: first came. Yeah. So, um, my college church, like I could only handle, well, let me just say, I'm, I'm a fundamentalist in every meaningful sense, (laughs) but I could only, but I could only handle so much fundamentalism and, uh, so I had to get out of the Greenville bubble. Uh-huh. So I I was I was a member of this church down in the Atlanta area and um, during college. So I would drive like 91 miles each way mm-hmm. with a group of 15 students and serving at this just church in the suburbs of Atlanta. And um, after three years of doing that, um, see, I did a bachelor's and, and a master's, an MA in missiology. Got it. And then my I went to my college pastor and was like, hey, I got to get out. Like, I can't. I can't stay in this, in this world. Like I need to, I I need to get in the right stream or Mm -hmm, just, mm -hmm. I don't fit here. Mm -hmm, And, um, even though like I had a good time, but like, this is not where I belong. So my pastor was like, Oh, there's this place in New York. Let me, let me introduce you. So he hooks me up with, uh, an interview with a ministry uh, here in Manhattan. That is like a, like a food pantry type Mm -hmm. ministry. And, um, So it's majority pantry, probably like 90% of their, their ministries focused on the pantry and then they have church on Sunday as well. And so I interviewed with them. Now at that point I was, I was like, I'm a five point Calvinist, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have my, my ecclesiology nailed down. Gotcha. I was like, Hey, we're open on baptism. Haven't really thought about membership. Certainly Mm -hmm. haven't thought about communion. And so um, it was all just like the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. Right. And so I moved up here to work with this pantry that, yeah, they're gospel preaching mission where, you know, we give the people boxes of groceries and preach Christ to them and then send them on their way. And so I did that for two years while studying through Southern Mm -hmm. and then got introduced to nine marks material, Mm -hmm. started thinking more, more seriously about ecclesiology and the mission of the church. I read Greg Gilbert and Kevin Young's book. Yep. Uh, what is the mission of the church and other things. And just started to believe that the mission of the church is the great commission mm-hmm. and, um, that cultural renewal and feeding all the poor people in the city. And like all those things may be good things, but the mission is the great commission. Right. And I realized like, okay, we're not, we're not really trying to do that. We're trying to run a food pantry. Um, which is, is fine, I guess, but that's mm-hmm. not my passion. And um, so I, I wanted to make my mission the Great Commission and the mission of, of whatever church I'm working for be in alignment with that. So as a twenty what, 24, 25-year-old, um, I didn't want to rock the boat and cause drama for my boss, mm-hmm. so I quietly resigned and I moved to Louisville, Kentucky rather than causing – an organizational meltdown of like, we need to change the structure. Right now, right. I just was like All right, I'm I'm gonna leave. You do you. I'm out. So, yeah. So I okay. so I moved to Louisville, and uh, I ran into some some great people along the way. Um, some mentors, um, Zane Pratt from mm-hmm. the IMB. I met him in the bookstore. He he took me under his wing and, nice. and really co- coached me and guided me both through the seminary process and through church planting awesome Um, so he basically said hey here's what we did in the middle east it'll work Mm -hmm. in new york and so um once i graduated from my mdiv i moved back to new york and my home church in florida was was my sending church and they sent my brother up with me uh to to start the new church and um yeah and we just we followed nine marks material to a t Mm -hmm. like every single element um mm-hmm. i did a, a nine marks weekender and um really like i i was what they called a nine marxist um <laughs> right now I, I also i also hit my personal peak wokeness during that time too nice <laughs> and um like i look back at my one of my old twitter accounts from back in 2015 and realize like man i i was drinking the kool-aid on some stuff <laughs> that wasn't even true
0: wow it happens bro
1: <laughs> and and then in 2015 while i was still in new york um this is a bit of a tangent so if you want me to get back oh you're top, good it, no andy. go ahead um yeah so i was working i was in addition to the pantry and my tuesday chapel service which i preached i also did young life uh, mm-hmm. i was a volunteer within life now my young life supervisor one time put me aside and was like andy andy you need to understand some things first off you're racist because you're white. <laughs> Secondly, you're privileged because you're white. Thirdly, you have colorblindness and that's bad. <sighs> and fourthly, you're fragile. You have white fragility. <sighs> and it wasn't quite this cut and dry. It was a more long, <laughs> a, elongated conversation. Right, right, right. And I was just like, man, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but now, in hindsight, I'm like I look back and like that's critical race theory. It is. And it is. we don't need that. And we didn't need it back then. And we nope. don't need it now. It is. But in that, that same conversation, my, my supervisor told me that sex and gender weren't the same thing. And you could be a male but identify as a woman or be a female and identify as a male. And it was as if she had told me the moon was made out of cheese. It was just <laughs> something I was, right. I was not prepared right. for that argument. Sure. And I didn't know what to say. Right. So that set, me, that set me on a journey of discovery to try and figure out what is happening mm-hmm. in the evangelical landscape and what now I would just say, like, why is everything woke? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why has everything gone that direction? So, um, yeah, so I moved back to New York in 2017, started the previous church, and um, then 2019, uh, I watched, um, I saw Michael Fallon's pod videos on taken on top of a rooftop here in New York city, mm-hmm. uh, with James Lindsay and Peter Boghossian. And I looked him up on Facebook and saw we had a bunch of mutual friends. So I sent him a message and was like, Hey, are you in New York? And he said, no, I'm in Tampa. And I was like, Oh, well I'm in Tampa right now for Thanksgiving, <laughs> visiting my family. Let's meet up. Right. So we had lunch the next day down in Tampa and um then he just laid out the whole issue of like you you think you understand what's happening right and you've got you've got a part of it right but there's a whole lot more so um so anyway yeah that that kind of brings us up to to the present Mm -hmm. um i don't know are we are we still on on target here yeah
0: no we're this is perfect (laughs) you you touched on stuff that i didn't even know was there but i love it uh you know uh i I love that you 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 touch those points um but so i let's get to the uh the pandemic and yeah uh the split there Uh, i mean if you want to go there but just because yeah there's a lot of people navigating through that i mean we're i mean in my mind we're we're past it you know i always tell people since i've had it i'm no longer scared of it so uh (laughs) (laughs) so talk about that
1: so aren't by the way, if I'm going too long, just tell me. Hey, let's let's. Uh, hey, hurry up the story. I, I, this is my like, podcast. I know days. how to
0: do this, man. I got this. You you're good. You talk. <laughs> right. I we when you when right. when I switch it, you be like, oh yeah, he he just cut me off. So you got it. You good.
1: All right. Good. So um, yeah. So the pandemic, uh, in the winter of that year, what 2019 2020, um, nearly everyone in our church got a really really bad flu around January. February mm-hmm. 2020 and then the last two people in our church who got it both worked at the Bellevue hospital and they were some of the first people in New York City to get tested mm. and they came back po- positive for COVID so my assumption was based on that because they had the same thing everyone else had so my theory was like hey we all, we we all got COVID yep. and you know like I coughed myself to sleep every night for a month and then um, you know eventually got better yeah but Um, anyway, the church, you know, closure, um, we don't own our space. So Mm. we're renting, uh, we rented a gym down in the Lower East Side and we, uh, we had to stop meeting the second week of March and our lease expired April 1st. So we just let it expire and then we didn't, we weren't paying rent on a facility, which was really a blessing. (laughs) Um, Then, um so we were closed or we were on lockdown and doing um virtual like zoom church and all these things and during that time a lot of issues that were that had existed already behind the scenes started bubbling up to the surface um just like a lot of internal drama like with the elder team and um, disagreement, a disagreement over the budget was the driving force mm-hmm. that, caused, that caused the split, particularly over my salary, if I was gonna be paid full-time or not. Mm-hmm. And um, I had let a lot of things go in the two and a half years leading up to that because I thought I need to pick my battles and I'm only gonna fight the salary battle and I'm not gonna be hyper critical of, of everything else. Um, if I had it to do over again, I would not take that same approach because what I realized was if you say, okay, 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 okay. Mm -hmm. That builds up this idea that you're a pushover and the other side can get whatever they want. Yep. Um, Instead of saying, well, actually we need to do something different. here. So anyway, then, then it comes to this budget thing, I finally said, no, we have the ability to pay our pastor. We need to pay our pastor. And it's not about me, even though it, it is me, um, and then that caused all kinds of issues, which I probably shouldn't get into. But um, yeah, then it was just navigating the uh, uh, the the cleanup effort after the explosion because there was a, there were some explosions in the spring and early summer, like April, May, June,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, I didn't I didn't navigate some of those as well as I should have. And I let some things slide that I shouldn't have tolerated. Mm -hmm. And then in August, um, there was a full fledged faction in the church. And um, according to our bylaws, we had to have what, like a 75% vote to remove the pastor. Mm -hmm. And I had called on the other guy's resignation. And he said, no, he said, he's going to fight me on it. And than this faction, just mathematically, it meant that we didn't have the numbers to win the fight. Mm. And we, um, yeah, we, we were just in a, in a deadlock situation. Mm-hmm. So some of my mentors and some of the older men who were on my side, they said, Andy, just resign, just walk away and mm-hmm. we can restart. Because one of my guys said, Andy, even if you win, you don't want to be this these people's pastor. They don't want you to be their pastor. Mm. And you don't want to be their pastor. That's a good so point. So you should just step down mm-hmm. and and uh, restart. I didn't realize until like a month ago, like literally there's been all kinds of things that have come out in the, the months and years since. But one of the guys on the other side of the church split, like when he was protesting me, he would wear a mask to church mm-hmm. to protest
0: uh uh-huh. i didn't
1: know i didn't know that <laughs> until like a month ago i just knew like sometimes he'd wear a mask that's a
0: silent uh, protest
1: <laughs> yeah so <sighs>
0: that's so hilarious anyway, um, People are funny
1: basically like all the drama left mm-hmm. when we when we restarted the church i mm-hmm. used to get like two to three complaining emails per week mm. um over the the pettiest nonsense you can imagine mm-hmm. since then in the last year and a half, I've gotten one complaining email, and it's from a non-member, mm. and he and he has been a part of a an LGBT church for years, <laughs> and then he finally got fed up over CRT and started coming to our church, but he didn't like the church treasurer standing up and saying, "Hey, you got to give." <laughs> so he sent me an email saying he's done over the giving. So <laughs> then he's going back to the LGBT church. Hey. Um, <laughs>
0: I guess his pocket isn't uh, isn't woke. <laughs> Good deal, man. Well, listen, I, li- I, I appreciate you walking through that. Um, one thing I've learned with my podcast, man, over the last five years is sometimes just sharing your story is enough to be a blessing to somebody else, to let them know they're not alone. Sometimes, you know, you say something that may uh, spark an idea for them in whatever situation they're in, man. So I really appreciate you being transparent and sharing that story with us. So right here, we're gonna take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back.
1: Thankful Homemaker is a blog and podcast created to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. Thankful Homemaker provides truth-filled, gospel-driven encouragement to homemakers who amid their ordinary days, desire to honor and glorify God in all things. Come visit ThankfulHomemaker.com for the latest articles and podcasts. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on your favorite podcast catcher. So ladies, pop in your headphones as you're doing dishes, cooking dinner, or folding laundry, and sit with me, host Marcy Farrell, as we chat together on how God's Word impacts everything we do as Christian women.
0: All right, we're in here with my good friend, Andy, man. And this is the side of the show, Andy, where we do the signature bar questions. These are the three questions I ask all of my guests, no matter who they are, whether it's Mark Dever or Steve Lawson or Ling Duncan or anybody. Everybody has been on this show has answered these three questions. So the first signature bar question is, what kind of music do you listen to?
1: Oh, um, <laughs> I love Southern Gospel nice um i love like a really quality tenor Mm. like david phelps um there's a guy his last name is pacheo on youtube i think it's like nick pacheo or something um he's really good so i'm not like a huge um like music guy it's not like i have a big playlist but gotcha gotcha. that's what i would listen to if, if i'm uh feeling the need to listen to music
0: there you go all right next signature bar question and my podcasters can't see all those books behind you but what book or books are you currently reading
1: so i just got um christianity and social justice in the mail nice um, by john harris Mm -hmm. so i'm uh i'm working through uh i think i'm in chapter one right now so yeah that's what i'm reading right now
0: good deal good deal All right. And last signature bar question. What podcasts or sermons do you listen to, if any?
1: I listen to Michael Fallon's podcast every every time there's a new episode. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, I listen to Steve Lawson every time on every text I preach. I listen to him to hear how he Mm -hmm. how he handles it. Um, I haven't been listening to as many sermons lately. Sure. But, um, but yeah, I, I like him. Um, Alistair Begg is another, is another favorite. Um, For sure. I really enjoy reading, reading, um, Spurgeon sermons. Um, Mike Abendroth is another, Yeah. Um, just really love him. Um, he's coming to our conference. Nice. Can I talk about the conference? Of course
0: you can. Of course you can. I'm going to yeah, give you so, room to do so, that. Give me one, give me one second. I'm gonna give you room to talk right. about the conference. All right so um no i appreciate the, the the share on that i love mike mike's been on the podcast um i actually had his brother on as well um yeah pat Pat's a good guy uh, really really good guys man so bro first of all i want to thank you for uh coming on the show um uh, my listeners don't know this we had some technical issues yesterday but we were able to work it out and get it all in and i love to close the show out by first give you an opportunity to uh share the the conference and where people can, you know, find you and follow you and all of that stuff and any other announcements you may have. And, uh, and then just any words of encouragement, uh, you want to leave with the listeners before we get out of here.
1: Yeah. So we're doing a conference in two weeks here in New York city. Um, so we got a ministry called nonconformist ministries. Um, it's part of our, part of our church, part of what we do. And we're putting on a conference uh, the theme of that conference is a line in the sand. And the goal is to basically from, a, from New York say, hey, here's where we stand. And we're not, we're not giving in. And the, the goal is to help New York Christians rise up and take a stand uh, for, for truth, for the gospel, for the word of God. Um, so we've got some great speakers coming. We've got um, Virgil Walker, Daryl Harrison, uh, Josh Bice, Mike O'Fallon. Mike Abendroth, John Benzinger from Phoenix, Mm -hmm. uh, Ryan Helfenbein from Liberty, and then I'm also speaking. So that's December 10th, 11th, and 12th, Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. And uh, it's right here in Manhattan. And if you would like to register, you can find the info at our website, either the church website, pbc.nyc, and click on the word conference at the top or you can go directly to the nonconformist website ncc.nyc forward slash conference, ncc.nyc forward slash conference. Then scroll to the bottom. You can register there on the website.
0: Awesome. 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 So I'm going to go ahead and tell you, uh, I'm, I'm part of the deal with Daryl and Virgil. So I'm just, you know, you let me know, uh, <laughs> my details <laughs> on getting there, but no, that's, that's, yeah. that's dope, man. Um, Big shout out to my bros, man. Uh, I, I'm excited for what God is doing with those fellas, man. They've been doing a lot of traveling and um, and definitely want to shout them out. So anything you want to leave with the listeners' words of encouragement before we strike out of here?
1: Yeah, i um, just say you can trust God no matter how bad things get. Um, that's why we, we named our church Providence because in the providential care of God, He he knows and he cares about all of our problems. He is... Uh, sovereign and he's good and he's in control of all things Um, even when we don't understand we don't see what's happening Um, his his way is best his plan is best and even if that means we go through uh, tremendous hardship and pain it is if it is his plan it is for our good and for his glory so take comfort and encouragement in trusting our
0: sovereign God awesome bro awesome awesome all right, guys make sure you first go register for the conference if you're in the new york area uh go and uh check out the conference we're, we're super excited about that and also make sure you check out the bar podcast every tuesday tell somebody tell a friend tell a neighbor go to bargear.com to pick up some bar gear and to hear all the shows on the network like just thinking like thankful uh, and many many others go to the barpodcast.com and click on the network tab to check out all the shows in the bar podcast network and until next time you guys god bless and we are